This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Prisoners. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the effervescent and slightly aromatic Justin Waddell. Justin, how's it going? You know, it's okay. You doing, you doing great out there? Not really, you know? It's, it's tough out there, buddy. What's tough? I don't know. Having some trouble sleeping lately. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, may I suggest uh, laying down? Did you ever? Do you ever take any uh, like sleep supplements? No, no. Do you ever listen to our podcast and hope to drift drift off? Or <laughs> no, <laughs> scintillating. I can't do that. No, I listen to like Deacons' show or something. If I really need to collapse and die, but, you know, <laughs> is it, his show's uh, called Team Deacons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what a hack. That's almost uh, slang for a gangbang, right? Does he do it with his family? I guess so, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. His family. I mean, I'm not talking about the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying in general. Yeah. DP, I get it. <laughs> He's got he, wild hair. Do you know? He, you know what's yeah. about Deacons? Up his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're dodging COVID effectively, though. Hmm. I have been. I have been dodging COVID, I think. You never know, right? Until it's... Right. No, it's the silent stranger. You. Yeah. You never know. Like it, this, <laughs> The silent stranger could have entered you and is, is pursuing other options. That, you know, you don't know. No, I'd like to think we have it and, it's, and we're cool and we've not passed it on and it's dissolved and died. That could be good. My dad, uh, I told you, he, he, he tested positive for antibodies. So antibodies so he may yeah. probably looks like he had it at some point and he was sick a little bit but nothing nothing right. too bad you know nothing to keep him out of school or anything he coughed once and i haven't talked to him in four months so <laughs> i don't even pick up the phone when he tries to call me no i saw him today actually well he also tested pot of positive for being thrilled he didn't have to hear from you <laughs> <laughs> my dad's birthday coming up by the way nice the big f- six 74 i think nice good year yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, mine are dead so thanks um 
Guys, if you aren't familiar with the show, it's the Movie Microscope. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film with a set of mistreated eyes. We glance around it in two dimensions. Uh, we scan the horizon. We, we pixelate, and then we morph into something much more dangerous and scrape through the offerings to see what makes or breaks. So if we were talking about made to order, hmm. we wouldn't be talking about the scene where Ali Sheedy encounters a jaguar in her washing machine. <laughs> We would, we would talk about the little moments, of which there are simply too many in Heaven's Prisoners, today's film. It is hard to believe we wouldn't talk about that moment. <laughs> I think that's all we talk about. <laughs> I wonder if Ali Sheedy is like a, a go-to person to work with animals. You know? Because she did such an incredible job on Man's Best Friend. You think that they, every time that there's an animal in the movie, they think they... You know, they think Ali Sheedy could maybe be the vet in this scene or something. That's true. Yeah. Uh, she's been in two animal films. And what would that be? Made to Order with the Jaguar <laughs> and Man's Best Friend and Breakfast Cub with Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Did you say Breakfast Cub? <laughs> or she was in High Arf. St. <laughs> Elmo's Jaguar. I had to go twice <laughs> to that animal. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of uh, Ali Sheedy films, Nick. Do you? I think we've named the lion's share. What's the, what's the, oh, wait, wait. What's the love story with her and uh, John Candy? Oh, uh, once, something with once in the title. Once okay, around? So no, that's the, yeah, that's yeah. The, no, that's no. Richard Dreyfus, I think. I think it might be once or anyway. I don't like to get unpleasant on here, but. What a sheedy actor. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, huge fan, actually. I think she's great. So, whatever. He zoomed in. Yeah. Although that dandruff scene in, in Breakfast Club still gets me gross. Gets me gross. Used a real dandruff in that scene. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and every take. You know, it's funny. To, yeah, go ahead. Oh. They, I was gonna say they had a, every take. They had to scoop that dandruff back up and throw it back into her mane. You know. Yeah. She shook it out again, but that's her real skin uh, flakes. That's right. Chris Randon did the same thing. That was his real dandridge in Fright Night. <laughs> Jerry Dandridge, <laughs> the best name for a vampire of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, great movie though. Okay, so yeah, here we are. We're talking about Heaven's Prisoners, a film from 1996, directed by Phil Joanu. I think it's the first Phil movie we've done, not the last. I think so. It's, I think so. And it's not. It's not Phil Joanu. It's Phil Joanu. I I can't zoom in that hard. I've heard it said out loud by filmmakers Joanu. I've had like, it screamed at me. <laughs> But either way, a film a filmmaker with a career that has been spotty uh, due to some off screen issues, but a very talented chap. Has he showed, had off screen issues? What what were the? Yeah, he had a, dr- a big drug problem. Because he's actually, I think, a talented dude. Well, yeah, I, we know. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, yeah, of course. I mean, he's. I mean, just let's be honest. I mean, he's of course he's a filmmaker. He's made more than one movie. You know, you don't get you don't get this high up on the ladder just by sucking a dick. 
Say it. I mean, is he a video? You were talking about like the most, the most obvious thing you've ever said in your life. What did I say? He said he's talented. I just like his movie. I was looking through his uh, movies. I, I believe he did State of Grace, which I really like. A classic. And he did Three O'Clock High, which is actually a classic as well. And he did Final Analysis. That's the, which had I mean, Kim Basinger. That's why he got this movie. Yep, yep. Eric Roberts said, you know, you know, you know and Kim Basinger was sleeping with Alec Baldwin at the time. Married yeah. to him, I believe, right? Yeah, but they were sleeping too. She was knee deep in Baldwin at that point. Yeah, she she foresaw her life and it envisioned. She saw into the future and she just saw Alec peppered through every year. You know, yeah. Just, how that? How that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they have a kid named Ireland. They do. It's the, that's the kid he got mad at on the answering machine. Remember, that was a big controversy. It's a big controversy, but who doesn't get mad at their kids on an answering machine now and then? I think you're right. That it, His child's name is Ireland. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you sent me a text, and I didn't pursue it, about Mary Stuart Masterson's children. I guess we'll probably have to talk about that. because yeah. They forgot, so here it goes. Mary Stuart Masterson named her offspring Wilder, which is dumb but okay. Cleo, which is dumb but okay. And I shit you not, Phineas. Which is dumb, but dumb, but dumb, but dumb, but dumb, but dumb. But let's let's set it up here. Heaven's Prisoners is based on a James Lee Burke story, the legendary Dave Robichaux, the character from his novels, a film that took a while to come out, but a slice of Louisiana mud pie served piping hot. What? <laughs> you know, this movie, I have to say, I, I had a little bit of a... How do I put it? I'm a little gun shy lately for the films you've been tossing my way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just did Mulholland Falls. I was in a fetal position for a while after that one. So I was a little nervous to watch this one. In fact, you can't stream it. It's you have to you can, but you have to rent it from what I can tell. I think you own it, right? I do. But I, at one point recently, it was on one of the services. And uh, so I rented it from iTunes for one ninety nine, a good deal. I I told you earlier, I could have bought this film and been happy. I was pleasantly surprised, and I don't think I've seen this movie before. You'd probably know if you'd seen it. I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty singular little movie. Yeah, and, and its reputation is one of... I know it was a di- kind of a box office failure, but it certainly didn't resonate with the critics either. No, it and didn't. Time, but- time has been kind. I well, I remember we loved this movie when it came out. We were we Who's saw we? It. Who's we? me and I think it was Sean, my buddy Sean and Brian, mm-hmm. the, the old guys. Um, huge. He, well, we were. I mean, Baldwin has always been one of my very favorites, and this was right in the golden era, like between like the Glengarry, and he was great in Malice, and he was great in this, and I mean, he just he was at Pete Baldwin Miami Blues, so. This was uh, I, I had a lot a lot of hopes going out for this because it was, you know, yeah, it seemed like it could be a, a franchise for him theoretically. Yeah, well, I think he was thinking that. So he had. Now you know more about this than myself, but he after Red October didn't he kind of decide that he wasn't going to play Jack Ryan again, and it was kind of yeah, a he, big deal, right? Yeah, he went on Broadway. Yeah, he he said no Jack Ryan for me, and he and he kicked his his uh, uh, sloppy seconds over to Harry Ford. And yep. Harrison Ford said, I'll take those. And he he ran with it. Yep. Meanwhile, then Alec Baldwin tried to get another franchise started. And it just, just didn't work out. Like he did The Shadow, which is a good movie. Yep. 
that didn't do much. And then this, this was, I think there's, I looked this up. There's 40 books in this series. We need 40 of these movies today. Well, and they did do a sequel to this film, which I didn't know. What was it called? The Electric Mist. Is that Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Playing the Dave Robichaud. But, you know, it's, I didn't know that. Have you seen that movie? No, I I always used to make fun of it. Did you know it was a Dave Robichaud film? I did not. I didn't either. So look at this stretch or listen, listen to it. Actually, even as far back as Beetlejuice and Married to the Mob. But yeah, Red October, Miami Blues. Is it a Woody Allen film? Um, Prelude to a Kiss. Uh, okay, Glengarry. Which I, which I like a lot. Yeah, Glengarry. Glengarry is great. The Getaway, Malice. Both I love both of those for different reasons. The Shadow, Heron's Prisoners, The Juror. Ghost of Mississippi was kind of lame, but he tried. And then The Edge. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that stretch there, he was like being... You know, he was just being the crook, the the creep, the cretin, just the slimy, the great. I mean, like that guy just nailed everything to the secret. He was trying role. to he was trying to find his footing. I think he obviously was pushing back against the mat the matinee idol uh, label. He was like, you know what, I'm an actor, and he and is. They, and they were like, oh, yeah, maybe. He's like, well, I want I want to be in Ghosts of Mississippi. Like ah okay, what who was who was in Ghost of Mississippi? Uh, well, I know that Rob Reiner directed it. It's a it's a it's about it's one of those films that reminds us that racism is bad. We need more of those, apparently. Um, James Woods, James James Woods, playing a super racist. Whoopi Goldberg, Virginia Madsen, Craig T. Nelson. Hmm. You're going to want to do this movie. William H. Macy and Lucas Black, probably an early role for old Luke. Oh, um, white actors in that film that you're ticking off. Um, well, yeah. I mean, racism, racism is bad. You know what's funny? It lists him hmm. as a character in Mercury Rising. I don't remember him being in that. I, guess I think he was the bad guy in that. Okay, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry we've we've diverged. Uh, we've we've gotten off the beaten path. Come back to uh, set this one up for us. So uh, Dave Robichaud is an alcoholic retired policeman who is uprooted from the New Orleans downtown lifestyle to enter the bayou and start his own fishing business, bait shack, what whatever you want to call it, with his delightfully yeah, pretty wife shop. Kelly Lynch. Yeah, bait mm, shop Annie and. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and with his delightful partner in crime, Bajadola. And they are just chilling out. And on one day on the boat, Alec and Kelly are about to throw in and uh, a plane crashes. And Alec, being a hero, as he is to all of us, dives in the water and discovers a conspiracy. And uh, instead yeah. of instead of just being sad about it and moving on with his life, he he, he steals a girl and gets caught up in a bunch of intrigue. So yeah, so he 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 dives underwater with a, a an oxygen tank that is light on oxygen. There's not much left. That's true. <clears throat> and um, did you notice the? By the way, did you notice the print, the the design of the oxygen tank? Did you zoom in that hard? No. There's an octopus on it, which I thought nice. you'd like. Yeah, yeah, I should know. By the way, um, did you? Mm-hmm. Let me zoom in. How sober? How long is Mister? 
Robichaud been sober at the outset of this film? He's in a confessional in the first scene. Three years? <laughs> you nailed it. Nice. Three years not drunk. Yeah, he's killing it. Did yeah, that he, guy? Uh, did that priest remind you of anybody? It reminded me of a director, I think, when I when I watched it. Okay, it reminded me of uh, uh, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can't really see his face because it's obscured by the the um, what do they call that? The thing in the confession booth that the the cum scrim. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so yeah, he's he's talking to this priest, and he was he's. He's saying that he never stops thinking about alcohol. He thinks about it 24-7, thinks about taking that drink. Uh, yeah. When his wife's talking to him, he's he's fantasizing about his old bar. Yeah, he's, he's tough. He's having a tough yeah, time, but he's he's main he's managed to stay sober because he loves his wife so much, and that's a, you know important to her that he she that he doesn't drink anymore. Yeah. That's the one thing he really is. He says later that's the one thing in his life that he has going for her is her. Yeah. And then but later she, on. He, and, yeah, and then later on, she's shotgunned in half. <laughs> she's shotgunned into a closed casket, Nick. Yeah, this is sort of a precursor to Thick Baldwin. You know, he's starting to thick, and I love it. Like, Thick Baldwin's the best Baldwin. Well, I'm going to say something after I'm going to set up the movie a little bit more. So when he died, just to just to fill in a little bit, bit of blanks here. But when he dives down and investigates this plane crash underwater, he uh, immediately you know, pulls out a dead body and you know throws it towards the surface of the water. And you know, it, as a shirt comes off, that's important. But then, you know, he's kind of swimming through this uh, crash plane and he sees the legs of like a little kid. So everybody's dead. There's a bunch of bodies, but there is a little girl that's in a uh, her head's in a pocket of air. And he rescues her, brings her to the boat. And that's when the movie really kicks off is, you know, he they, for, they take this little girl to they decide not to report. They, they I guess Baldwin knows enough that this is a weird thing that that's happened. And it's, it's an immigration thing. He thinks it's an illegal immigration thing, so they're not going to report to the police. But anyway, so they bring this little girl to like a like a convent, right? Like a, Or at least a some kind of hospital that a bunch of nuns are running around at. And they pretend that this little girl is the, their daughter named right. Alifay. They give her the name Alifay. Which no, zoom in, is it, the, in that, Yeah. Or Alifair? Is it Alifair? Right? Yeah, it's Alifair. Yeah. Alfair, and it's um, that's the 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 author's daughter. I zoomed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the nun is like uh, not not believing their shit at all. Well, she's like the the little girl started speaking Spanish, and you guys obviously aren't Spanish. You got that New Orleans accent. Yeah. Hey, this is the second movie I think that we've done set in we, the and at Louisiana. least the third, at least the third. Well, we did. I was thinking a hard target. What's the other one? Southern Comfort. That's right. Yeah, for sure. By the way, side note on and wait, bullet to the he- is bullet to the head in New Orleans. I think I wish bullet- it, I wish it was because that what if Stallone had a New Orleans accent? You know, I like think bullet to the head takes place in New Orleans. Doesn't Christian Slater go to the swamp? Doesn't he leave the world in a swamp? I mean, he gets shot. I can't remember. And we need to do it again. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> what I was trying to say is, yeah, um, New Orleans. It's set, so we've done four, at least. Man, anyway, 
R.I.P. Wilford Brimley from Hard Target. Yeah, it's fucked. So, so, you, so you put a nice little tribute um, up on the Movie Microscope Instagram page. Yeah. How many followers we got on there? Tons. Yeah. I mean, if too many. No, I mean, if you weighed them because they're fat. If I'm on the scale, for sure. Um, but yeah, so Brimley, uh, R.I.P. He's, I think he was 85. He lasted a long time, should have uh, lasted a little bit longer. He was he yeah. was a delight in films, yeah, and on uh, Twitter apparently he was he was pretty fun. And it sucks that the last thing I saw him in was his sex tape. Yeah, yeah, the, the, during the fappening. Yeah, I got oh, a the, bit of him. the hack. Yeah, yeah, they hacked Wilford Brimley's phone, and his huge sex acts came out. Yeah, yeah, I'm grunting over a fair maiden now and then, you know. He look he you know he looks so strange. I forgot I forgot it looks so strange in the thing. He had no mustache. Yep. Uh, yeah. Zoomed in. That's a big zoom. Um zoom. so hey, what is Mr. R what is Mr. Robocho's nickname in this movie? Streak. <laughs> now, I was gonna say this is what so he has a a birthmark in his hair. That's not what they call it. <laughs> well, that's what it is it is. It's called like uh it's called, he has a, a John Henson. Yeah, it's like poliosis or something. I looked it up. It's like that's what they call it. it's a medical term, but it's like whenever you have a patch of like gray or white hair in your in your otherwise, you know, blonde brunette, whatever your normal hair color is, that's what they call that. And he has this streak of um white hair that they never really refer to except one of the characters calls him streak, obviously. Yeah. Um but I don't know if she's talking about that birthmark. That's true. He she may have just, be t- well, he she just may have run off a few victories in a row. Or I mean. she could have been talking about his the volume, the huge amount of sweat that Baldwin <laughs> just he just drips during this whole movie. He just keeps he, every scene sweat drips uh, are coming off his face, his nose. Like he is, it's like flop sweat. He is drenched in this whole movie well do you see the I, box office <laughs> let me zoom in new orleans was not agreeing with mr ball everybody else looks dry as hell and i thought at first i was like maybe it's that like they're trying to show you like he maybe he was like i'm gonna you know my character sweats a lot mm-hmm. wow i don't know man i think it's they could not keep his shirts dry in this I mean, he's like in a car talking to. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna have to disagree because there's a lot of people glistening in this movie. Roberts is yeah. glistening, Bajadola is glistening. Uh, They're not dripping sweat. They're not Eddie, dripping sweat. Eddie Keats is is dripping. Hmm. He might have some ass sweat, but he Baldwin has like you know that you know it's real because his he's sweating through his shorts. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. nobody. There's no sweat wrangler on. On sets, it's like, hey, let, hey, before you do this scene, let me uh, spray the back of your ass in your khakis. Make sure we get the ass sweat showing. You know, like, I you know what was, though? It's, it's it sells it sells it. And, you know, it's a steamy movie. He's a good enough actor that it doesn't really matter. It's great. Yeah, it's fine. It's just it's just very noticeable. I was I sent Nick a, a screenshot I took. It's a very funny cut in the movie where he's at his door and he's got a dry shirt. They cut to another character, and then two seconds later, they come back to Baldwin. And he is his shirt is completely sweat, sweated through. 
It's amazing. But I mean, so, did you notice that when you watched it, or are you are you too no. in love with Alec Baldwin to to care? No, I, I I'm in love with him, and and I noticed him as I noticed things about him that aren't all golden, but I didn't notice mm-hmm. that because I noticed you didn't, some of you board, didn't notice the sweat. No, I mean. I, to an extent, but it's that kind of movie. It's a Mississippi swamp movie. Nick, I mean, you expect is, them to be sweating. He is sweat is dripping off of his nose. It is hard to it's hard to it's hard not to notice it. Well, I I, I was zoomed out during that. He's um, he, he's very good in this, though. I have to say, I, I did like him in this. He is, and the one actor phenomenal. that has de- decided kind of not to do the Cajun accent in this. Everybody else is really has, stepping on it. He's he got a little of it. Yeah, little. I, I yeah. Actually, this this cast I love. I love. All right, let's cast. go through the cast. Yeah. All right, so we got Kelly Lynch. Never looked better in her life than this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Mary Stuart Masterson, amazing. Vondi Curtis Hall. You got Baja Dola. You got Terry Hatcher. You got Eric Roberts. You got Joe Vitarelli. You got. Um, who else? Uh, Paul Guilfoyle. You got who else? Tuck Milligan. Tuck Milligan playing the bartender. You Hawthorne got uh, James. You got Hawthorne James playing the a mean person. Very mean. Yeah. There's one other sort of name though. Am I forgetting? Am I not? Um, I, think I, I think I got them all nailed. Don Stark, the guy that plays uh, no Eddie Eddie Keats, but yeah. um, but the little girl too. Her name is Samantha. Lag pecan or something. She this is the only movie she's in, but she does figure prominently in this film, like the yeah, quasi yeah. adopted da- daughter of uh, Alec Baldwin and Kelly Lynch for a while. She's like a little a little bilingual MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they give her almost no lines, but when they do, she's usually speaking and she's in cute. Spanish. She's very a cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's had a tough life. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so this plane is shot down. So when Alec Baldwin does a little, like Nick said, does a little digging, he wants to know. The DEA shows up to his house, um, and they start asking about um, the bodies on the plane. They start asking about the wreck, and Baldwin remembers the first guy that he found, the guy that loses a shirt and he threw towards the surface. The DA doesn't know about that that body. All of a sudden, they're not. No, they know about everybody else in the plane. Oh, they, they know about that body. I know, but they, they they quote unquote don't know about that guy. And so that Baldwin's uh, or Robichaux's spidey sense starts tingling, and he's like, "I got to go back into action and solve this." Yeah, and then, but and of course, the DEA agent is played by Vondi Curtis Hall, who has director a very, of, director yeah. of glitter. I, I they have some pretty damn good scenes together in this movie. Those two, he's great in this. And you know, I, I, I what's the movie he did with that I really like with um, Tupac and um, what's his face from Reservoir Dogs and Thandie Newton. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I'll think about it. But he, yeah, he's very good in this. You're right. And I, it, there's you know, these like I said, this book is based on a bunch, a series is of it novels. Gang related. Yeah, it's it's about drug. It's a it's a it's a really good. It's a it's a drug. It's about these it two might, characters that it might be gang related. It's not gang related. No, no, that's um, Tim Roth is the other actor in it. Um, I'll think of it. I have it. I own it. I, I've watched it like several times. And I just don't know why I can't remember the name. Um, but that's a really good movie. So 
you know, he feels this, that character that Vondi Curtis Hall, the DEA agent, he feels like a character that would be in several books. Yeah. You know, there's a couple characters like that, like uh, Mary Stewart Masterson's character, or even Eric Roberts. And it feels Bajadola. like Bajadola. It feels like those, those characters, Kelly you know, Lynch. <laughs> pick up, maybe she's in the book that comes before this. Um, <laughs> You know that it just feels like, and that's why I guess they're thinking franchise. I mean that, and they're good characters too. And you said earlier, you texted me, you said you really love the relationships in this. And yeah, there I is, agree. I agree. There is amazing chemistry uh, between Mary Stewart Masterson and Alec Baldwin in this. Mm-hmm. Eric Roberts and Alec Baldwin, Kelly Lynch and Alec Baldwin, Vondi Curtis Hall, Baja Dola. His his one on one relationships with a variety of characters is way better than you're used to seeing in movies like this. Way better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Part of it, I'll say, is because Phil Joanna's a great director and all that. But Baldwin, all those guys, they're all actors, actors. They're, I mean, well, Kelly Lynch, not as much, but everybody else kind of is, uh, is there, you know, they're in it to win it. And she's great too, but she's not known for, you know, being a, you know, in a lot of great movies, but kind of like her um, anyway. Terry Hatcher, you said? Is that what you're talking about? I didn't mention Terry Hatcher, but she's good in it too. Um, Gridlocked. That's the movie I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that movie. I love that movie. Um, anyway, so yeah, like, uh, Terry Hatch. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, so, you know, Baldwin starts to dig around and then he gets, uh, beat up and you know, his family's threatened. He gets, he gets super hard kicked in the dick. Yeah. He, he does get kicked in the dick. Yeah. Uh, by some heavies. One of the guys being Don Stark, who is, uh, from that '70s show, which you know I have a personal love for, right? Well, and you gotta love the other villain in the scene, one of the most awesome badass character names. What is his name again? Toot. <laughs> Toot. 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 Yeah, he's got a little. Um, he's a big guy. He's got a little uh, background in voodoo. Apparently, you don't find out much about him, but he is involved in one of the the best action scenes in this, or maybe one of the only action scenes, but it's a great action scene. One thing I did like about this, there's no winking at the camera during this. There's no, like, it's not jokey. It's just played really straightforward and, and it works, you know, and Baldwin, um, gets the shit kicked out of him a lot, which is, I guess, a staple of a movie like this or a noir. Right. But he really does get, he never really gets the upper hand, like not too much, you know, like yeah. he, every once, every once in a while, he notches a win, you know, Anyway, yeah. this is a movie that you get to see Alec Baldwin putting on flippers. What do you think? Is that something that we need to see more often? I'm not going to argue with it. I'd certainly sit and watch. Do you think he had a problem with that? Like, you know, apparently he was all in in this movie. Eric Roberts told a story, I think, in IMDb. I saw it where there was a, they were going to shoot it at like a, a scene where he's like swimming across a swamp. And right before he jumped in, an alligator popped up. Yep. But he went in anyway. He's like, roll film. And he swam across anyway. And Rob, yep. Roberts was super impressed. Yeah. But do you think that so do you think he's all in? It sounds like he's all in, or do you think he kind of was throwing his weight around a little bit? No, he's all in. He yeah. produced this too. Did he? He has yeah. his roots on it. No, I, yeah. And and honestly, this isn't the kind of movie if you read it, if you read it on you know on the in the script form, or even if you know that it's a, a series of novels, it does not sing blockbuster to you. Mm-mm. So if they're gonna do this film, if you're gonna choose this film, because this is a time when people were throwing roles at Alec all over the place. There had to be a reason he was passionate about it. And it Is that much. why he was getting thicker? Or... That's one of I your just, jokes. Uh, I mean, 
I think a thick Baldwin's the good Baldwin. Like he's, you know, he's, his body type. He's not. When's he been be. skinny? Like Beetlejuice? What are you talking about? He was skinny in Beetlejuice, Red October. He's, you know, he's, you know, cutie. You know, little little swim, little swimmer. Um, did you notice the uh, sign uh, at at Alex Bait Shop? It, it it entices me for a very specific food that I've never heard of. No, it's got a sign that says "Try our chili pie." Oh, interesting. And that sounds about as gross as anything could be. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bait shop that also like he's also selling. Uh food at his base shop base shop come for worms and then get, don't forget to leave us it, a chili pie the funny thing is the only time we see a transaction occur it's shoplifting vonnie curtis hall straight jacks a, a coke from him <laughs> do you think that maybe that's bait as well the chili pie you put that on a hook throw and, that in a, in the swamp and then you'll catch like brian james um <laughs> that would okay. be great if you went fishing and just just hooked it just put a big old pie on the end of your line yeah and you catch shane caruth who's apparently in hot water right now <laughs> but then even you can like I, I always say i always make a shane caruth joke after mentioning pie even though darren aronofsky did pie i i, I did just primer you're thinking of primer pri- no i or know but I, always, I think it's known as primer yeah and he also did upstream color right he did another classic but yeah it's too no. bad that it's too bad that shane caruth got uh, outed as a complete fucking asshole, but I'll certainly miss his films. What a prolific filmmaker! Yeah, what a, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do at the multiplex. By the way, fuck him. Um, he go to go to go away. You shithead. Um, I, yeah, I did find out something interesting about him. That that's a stage name. Did you read that not, in the articles? It's not his real name. No, his family. His family. His, his real name is Shane Citizen Ruth. And he shortened it. <laughs> he shortened it. <laughs> he had a little zest. Shane Carruth. So Phil Juano is a very cool visual filmmaker. And, and as Justin leaked earlier, he's talented. But there's a great shot of Baldwin and Kelly Lynch ducking when the plane flies over them, which is a great moment. Um, but there's a really fun transition from a little cocktail stirrer to the sign of Smiling Jack's bar, which is where the action really starts to pick up. And that's one of the good, really good early scenes in the movie. When we're introduced to Mary Stuart Masterson, we're introduced yeah. to the bartender. Plays a great a, little- Mary Stuart Masterson plays a, a stripper from Baldwin's past that he had possibly a fling with. You don't know yet. But she seems to very much imply that they, that they had a thing. And um, he's there to, to ask around about stuff. That doesn't go over well. That's so it leads to him getting his ass kicked. Well, but and first, Mary Stuart, and Mary Stuart Masterson uh, also yeah. she breaks she a gets, finger. Yeah, they broke her finger. Um, Mary Stuart Masterson playing against type as a stripper, by the way. Um, yeah, and and pulling it off. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's always such a good actress. I think, and and kind of been MIA for a while. I don't. You know, you know like I think she. Uh, certainly still shows up and stuff sometimes, but, um, you know, she was a staple for around this time, at least right. Like in the eighties, certainly. And, um, always turned in a good performance. I miss her. She got a long name. Zoom in. Yeah. Actually, this, this marks the second time in a day, in a, in a short period of time where Alec got to work with, uh, three named actresses in wonderful little sly movies. Got Jennifer, Jason Lee and Miami blues. He got Mary Stewart Masterson in this. Both were failures. But delightful movies. 
Yeah, but, man, that's a huge zoom. He was, do you think he does his best work with three named actresses? Or yeah, actors? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, <laughs> Marsha Gay Harden. You know, did he work with her? Yeah, yeah. He worked out with her once at the gym. Wonder what yeah. Alex's middle name is. You know, like wonder wonder if he has a, you know, like what his does it? You think it's a a boring one or a? He's from uh, Massapequa, Long Island. Is that what? I'll zoom in. Jeez. Yeah, the whole Baldwin clan comes from Massapequa, which is where Ron Kovic began his existence. Even Steven? <laughs> Steven doesn't count. Is he you know, adopted? I mean, Steven adopted? No, is unfortunately, he, he looks like the fly telepod version of Alec when they put like a fucking cheese doodle in there with him. Alexander Ray, R-A-E, Baldwin III. Oh, it's a four namer. He's got well, he's got that 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 the little flourish at the end. The third, huh? Uh huh. And he's the and he's he's the one, the second oldest, right? Isn't Daniel? No, he's the he's the oldest. I think they he's call that the, the oldest. Are yeah. you shitting me? Daniel's younger. This yeah. this shows this shows a service. Did anybody else know that? I didn't. I mean, he's okay. I'm I'm assuming mm-hmm. he's the oldest. Am I wrong? I got to change all my passwords because it was I have I had Daniel Baldwin's the oldest as all my passwords. That sucks. <laughs> Alec is two years older than Daniel, who is three years older than William, who is three years older than Stephen. Oh man, their parents were hot for each other. Nick, zoom in. Yeah. Yep. Do you think his mom looks like Stephen? <laughs> By the way, Steven had what does he have exactly one movie to his name that's good? What is it? Like does he have oh, more? He's in, he, actually he's in plenty of decent films. But let's hear it, let's hear it, let's hear it. Uh Usual Suspects. I, that's the one I know. Um he was in Fled. Oh God. He was in well, I watched that recently too. Uh I, I was one of the first movie sets I ever went on. Atlanta uh, Bay, right? Yeah, yeah. Um Steven Bald. Uh Oh man, he's in tons of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Billy Baldwin, William Baldwin's got some good movies to his name, but I can't think of more than one for Steven. Uh, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. Oh, you get, get cast as Barney Rubble, right? Yeah, three, three, threesome, three seconds. Posse. He was on Born in the Fourth. He was in uh, Born in the Fourth of July. Yeah. Um, played himself. He, they, they 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 call him an activist. That's not what I would call him. Um, he's a douche. <laughs> By the way, they, they um they he they they made a movie about him that he starred in. It's called The Absence of the Good. <laughs> it's so funny. Alex's first fight in his life was dragging his father back as he tried to push Steven back inside his mother. <laughs> they uh talk about so one so it went from Alec to Daniel. It skips. It looks like it seems like it skips. It goes to Alec, it skips over Daniel, goes to William, who's yeah, I mean, a handsome man you can't deny. Yeah, and, uh, and, and a lot of good movies, yeah. Then it goes to Steven. And then what's the what's the other guy? I always said he was the best bald one. Adam. He wasn't a bald. Yeah, I was wrong. He's the worst bald one. Yeah, he's him Correction. and Steven should get, probably get along well. Yeah. Anyway, so but, we never we haven't even mentioned really a highlight of this film to me. Eric Roberts, a, a legend in a way. I think he's so, a guy that so loves good. to be in movies, and he—I think he loves to be in movies. They—I read an article a few years ago where he was talking about he just—he'll be in anything. Like he just wants to act. 
He is here's, great at this. Here's great the reality. Here's the reality. If I had a superpower, mm-hmm. would be to take every role that went to Mickey Rourke and give it to Eric Roberts. Because they always seem to play the same kind of parts. Those two guys right. are very interchangeable. Yet Mickey Rourke has more cred than Eric does. And well, Eric's too, maybe. I mean, certainly he still does. He still yeah. does. And, and you're right. Eric is, is a treasure in this. Eric uh, Roberts got depths, my friend. I mean, Julia obviously, or uh, Julia Roberts obviously got, you know, she hogged up the spotlight for the, from the Roberts clan. I get it. But Eric's no slouch. And he's great in this. He plays a dreadlocked, kind of lower tier crime boss or something. Bubba Rock. Bubba Rock. And he gets. And he gets and, he, and and he's married to Terry Hatcher, who plays Claudette or was it is it Claudette Claudette Rock, and um, he's kind of this sinister figure from Baldwin's past. Who like they grew up together, they were in high school together, and Baldwin describes him as someone that used to uh, what eat light bulbs and, and put put out thumbtacks in his knees in his knee, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but you know he plays this, you know, like I said, dreadlocked really over the top kind of like strange character that doesn't get the arc that you think he's going to get in this. Right. And, and, and there's always like, that's the thing. Like I said, the relationships in this movie, there's, there's a great, the the introduction to the character, we meet him. He's, he's sparring with uh, somebody in his backyard boxing gym, as you have. And they settle down for some delightful shrimp and conversation (laughs) Exactly. And and see the, the funny thing is the line from this movie that stuck with us was the eat, was the eat some shrimp. He's like right. he's talking to Alec. He's like I don't know, eat some shrimp, you know. And then he's throwing the little tails out into the wilderness as he's eating. It's just a really nice little scene of two guys who seem to have a history, and it actually feels real. Mm-hmm. And they're hanging out, and uh, you know you're seeing how two paths diverged. And one guy became a cop, one guy became a crook. It's neat. And then Terry Hatcher shows up, and you kind of see the X factor there well so yeah so they have a certain amount of affection for each other which is surprising i mean the way baldwin describes him before you meet him is he just sounds like a very intimidating figure he's not, it's not that he's not it's just that when they do meet up it, it seems like kind of a sweet meet you know like they're kind of happy to see each other <laughs> and you know baldwin's there he's on serious business he thinks that bubba has something to do with this plane getting shot down. He's figured that the reason the plane shot down was because this, this, this guy that the DA is covering, he, he is uh, connected to drugs in new Orleans and he, they want him dead. Right. And he, they did get their wish. He was killed, but they blew up the plane and they didn't know that guy was running illegal immigrants on the side. Yeah. Um, and so he thinks that Bubba might've ordered this, this hit. And Nick had mentioned that uh, Terry Hatcher also was introduced in the scene. Her first scene, she's, completely naked on a balcony there was a big deal when this came out that she was naked full full nudity yeah people that was like it, the pre the pre-buzz about this movie was about her being fully naked and the funny thing is is when i saw this the first time in the theater i was very obviously ready for that and i felt like she looked sickly and then she i watched look- it and no she looks great she looks yeah, great she does. and she so i was wrong she um and she plays a like the femme fatale in this right so she she gets a lot of uh, she gets a lot of like 
stuff to do in this movie that I was surprised by. I didn't, I figured her character wouldn't get as much to do as she does. <laughs> and she does a great job in this. Like, you know, I think what the other movie we did with her was the Stallone one, right? Tango and cash. Yeah. Where she had to play that very strange relationship with Stallone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's definitely better in this. Um, she's fantastic uh, in this. And yeah. Um, well, she gets to play. She gets to play the bad guy. I mean, that's that's what's so cool. Like, you know, and 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 Roberts doesn't like. That's what you think is going to happen, right? You think he's going to be the guy pulling all the strings, and he's not. He's just kind of this hapless, you know, yep. he's a person that's in love with his wife who wants to power grab, and he doesn't know what she's doing behind his back. And she's obviously sleeping around on him, and you know, pulling, you know, meeting up with crime bosses behind his back. Yeah, yep. he he is. And he's too busy. You know, the, the biggest shock in this movie to me out of all the things that happen is Bubba Rock, like uh, Eric Roberts spends the whole movie dreadlocked. And then right mm-hmm. at the end, he comes out with his Eric Roberts natural hair. Yep. <laughs> it is a shock. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it, like, I had to do like a double take. It's it just, it's like, well, uh, normally, like a you would say, <laughs> normally you would say it's probably a reshoot, but no, that he's a, it was, it was in his late night negligee. You know, yeah. he had settled down for the night. You know, he'd taken his hair out of the shit. Well, I think he just, I think they're trying to say at the end, he's given up his, his, this facade of being this, like, he's, he's, he's like, ah, oh, uh, I'm going to give up all my, uh, you know, like my vain things I'm doing to make myself look quote unquote cooler. But he comes out and he looks like beautiful Eric Roberts. And you're <laughs> calling him dreads, but they're cornrows, right? Yeah. Cornrows, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's not dreadlocks. Yeah. It's cornrows. A lot of white yeah. people get that mistake. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, before that though, we, let's zoom back a little bit. There, uh, when he gets beat up by those guys, mm-hmm. uh, the next scene is is him in bed with his balls hurting, and he's in yep. bed with Kelly Lynch, and Vondi just walks on in. He just mm-hmm. walks on into their house, um, but before he does, she is he is trying to convince her um, that the police can't handle it. The local police don't have the. The, the moxie to handle a threat like this. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird thing. He, he he's making fun of the, of the chief of police in their town about being a former dry cleaner, but he says he looks like a Frito salesman. <laughs> and I've never heard that before. I didn't know such a thing existed. And I certainly cannot envision what such a creature would look like. No, I mean, there's a bunch of good lines in this movie too. That's another thing I picked up on is there's like that, you know, there's, some unexpected I lines. No, I ain't no swinging dick. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. When he's he's bracing, Baldwin's bracing the the bartender, uh, uh, and he gets into kind of a verbal like sparring match with this bartender who he knows. And Baldwin starts to get angry, and the guy goes, "Hey, I ain't no swinging dick. I I know better than to fuck with the wrong people." Like he he, you know, there's just a a bunch of unexpected lines in this. Uh, mostly, a lot of them coming from Eric Roberts. I think. Um, I I would say. Actually, and Baldwin. um, Baldwin's got some great lines in this too. And they they also don't shortchange small characters. You know, a lot of times these characters seem almost like NPCs that are there to move the plot along. But like that bartender has some pretty meaningful stuff. Keats, like there's there's actually some meaningful stuff that happens from smaller characters, which is definitely not common in a film like this. Mm -mm. No, and uh, you know, and there's a tenderness, a lot of tenderness in this movie. Scenes with Alec and his like. There's a scene where he apologizes to Kelly Lynch on the front porch. It's really tender, mm-hmm. uh, and she ultimately pays the price for that. And then with the stuff with him and Mary Stuart Masterson, when he goes to visit her at her house after her fingers broken, 
uh, he sends her, uh, he sends her off to get away to kind of heal and stuff. Really tender scene there. She asks him just to sit with him and it's really done really well. And then when she comes back into town, this is shortly after Kelly Lynch is destroyed. Um, there is a really like, he, there's a sweetness like Baldwin. It's the first time you've seen him kind of chipper after all the bad stuff that's happened. And it just feels really like it brightens the film. That's why I it's like even, about it's it. even filmed differently. The, like the color palette's even even brighter in those scenes. I just think it's it's nice to see like you know it's obviously he's on the war war path at one point where he's trying to get revenge for his wife's death, but he but he is he's not immortal. Like his you know he he gets his ass kicked in this, and he goes back on the drink. Right, he 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 falls off the wagon, so he he's super vulnerable and you know not it's, until it's, an hour and ten minutes into the film though. He, well, that so what, let's talk a little bit about his wife's death. What happens? Okay, talk about before that. Can we talk about that rainbow shirt? What do you what what rainbow shirt? She is wearing this like tight little rainbow shirt. That Kelly is Lynch? The cu- yeah, there's the cutest thing. It's the cutest thing. Yeah. I mean, she wears it well, but it's just a delight. I, I want I mean, I'm not gonna take that for the island, but what a delightful shirt. Uh I, I really can't I, Oh my god. I remember uh, uh, the 1996 version of me paying a lot of attention to that shirt. So um, I remember she's wearing like, is she wearing overalls in this too? Not in that scene. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, you, but yeah, she's, you missed a big one. I did. Um, by the way, did you notice there is a scene that starts with the screech of a car? Like they cut and that's how they transition. It's really cool. It's when he's going back to New Orleans for the second time. The, film, the scene starts with a car screech and mm-hmm. then he gets out. And, oh, it's a great little moment. Great little filmmaking choice. Well, that's what I was saying. That I think that Jeanne, uh, how you say it, Phil? I call him Juano. You can call him whatever the hell you want. Juana. Um, you know, Three O'clock High is a very like stylish film. It like really, really pushes Sam Raimi. Yeah, it feels like Sam Raimi. It feels, you know, it just feels very. Uh, you know, the, all the action is very worried over. It's great, but in this, like, there are some moments like that. You talked about the transitions and stuff, but it's played pretty straightforward. You know. Um, so let me, t- let me give you two little other notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously we've, we've remarked that this is the beginning of the thickening of Alec. Do you notice how many times he has eaten them shrimp in that scene with Eric? Every time the camera cuts to him, he's either eating or grabbing, you know, he is totally, you know, he's like, wait, this is not counted as craft services. I'm in, but, um, also nobody died. That's a huge play of shrimp that they throw it, down. It's a, totally, yeah, I love it. And I love the fact that, Eric Roberts has a has his uh, personal chef, and he truly appreciates the man's work. Uh, do you notice that nobody dies in this film, but they are instead smoked? Is they use they the term "smoked" at least four times in this movie, which I love. But here's a, a super zoom. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, in a previous ep- uh, previous episode how we we keep doing movies with cops, and how mm-hmm. we keep doing movies that end in graveyards. Right. Right. This film should have ended in a graveyard. And features a cop, but it also features somebody being defeated with a pool cue. Oh yeah, yeah. We have a that's another recurring theme on the show now. After deep cover, we now have yeah. good old elk elk belt buckle get smashed with a pool cue by Mister Baldwin. Elk 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 belt buckle is exactly Eddie Keats you're talking about for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I guess his middle name is L, but they never yeah. reveal what that is. But he, yeah, he gets uh bludgeoned like not to death he gets just and then baldwin to he, so he sucker I, what sucker pool cues him into the ground yeah. nails him and then he 
pours beer on his face, which, which is, I love. I love. But we didn't talk about the. This is Eddie Keats has a bar, and in that bar, there's an animal. There are two animals. Yeah. What are they? Monkeys. Yeah, he's got monkeys in this bar. What's the and name of the she, bar? She mistreats. I don't know. It's is the Jungle new? Room. It's called jungle. the Jungle Room, but it also features the Saturn Bar. So it's <laughs> it has two names: Jungle Room and Saturn Bar on the outside. <laughs> But yeah, he's he's giving the chimpanzees a, some guff the yeah. Eddie Keats before he gets the shit kicked out of him. Um and beer yeah. poured on his face. Oh, and what's the, what's the drink? Okay, let's do, let's do this. What's the big drink? And that's kind of the the tell Qu- of the movie. Cuervo. <laughs> well, Cuervo, yeah. He, oh, Gin Rickies, you mean? Gin Rickies, yeah. Gin so Ricky, that, uh, Gin Rickies and, but Jose Cuervo gets two mentions as well. Yeah, and Cuervo Gold, yeah. the local beer, Abita is seen throughout the film in various forms, whether it be a sign, a box, or a beer bottle. Right. Let me zoom in. Guys, if you're out there and you find Abita's non-alcoholic root beer, it is the shint. It is so good. So good. All right. I'm going to change my... You know how we do... Nick and I, and these Zoom things, we we name ourselves different names. I'm going to change my name. What's your name right now? Dave... Dave... Dave in all caps with periods, robot Joe. <laughs> and mine was John Tenney. Yeah, because he was he used to be married to Terry Hatcher. I thought yeah. that was cute, but I got a better one here, I think. Cuervo bronze. Because mm-hmm. you're not Cuervo gold. No. You're not good enough. Oh. That's what he says, though. The guy said he, he ordered some Cuervo. It's, I think uh, Monty Curtis Hall. I think. Is that who? Well, no, Eric Roberts orders a Cuervo after their little Cuervo. fist fight. Yeah. Yeah. Fist fight. Yeah, yeah. This, this is so whenever Eric Roberts goes to meet. Uh, the big the the mob boss and Joe Vitarelli, Joe Vitarelli, and Joe yeah, Vitarelli gets to give Eric Roberts and Terry Hatcher the the John Wick speech for Alec okay. Baldwin's character, and he says, um, Eric Roberts is saying, "Hey, Alec Baldwin's not a threat. He's he's kind of poking around, but it's no big deal." And uh, he's asleep. And uh, Joe Vitarelli says, "The man may have been asleep, but that was before you crashed a plane on top of his head and woke him up." I was like, that's John Wick. They kind of John Wick this Baldwin in this. Mm-hmm. They because they, you know, he a guy that used to be a threat that's that's now obviously not. Um yeah, except uh, this came before John Wick. So. I know, but I was just it reminded me of that. And then there's no pet that was killed, but something does get killed. The Duke kills wife, yeah. Um, and, and let's talk about that scene. Yeah. Because um Obviously, he keeps poking his nose where it don't belong. Vitarelli has thrown the gauntlet down that that the Roke family must, or Rock family must, uh, do something about Dave Robichaux, which Eric mm-hmm. Roberts is aloof about, but Terry Hatcher is paying keen attention, mm-hmm. which we discover later why. Um, so Alec is uh, out taking a, a little stroll out in the old yard there. Yeah, he, he wakes up his- to a storm. He wakes up to a storm and goes out and he sees this little boat his little boats are like kind of floating around all weird out there. He, he wants see, to, I thought that was the boat. I thought that was a boat that they used to come to his. Spot. Well, that's when he, he does see a, another boat later off in the distance. Then he realizes they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out a three man hit crew has shown up uh, mm-hmm. and they shotgun the living fuck out of Kelly Lynch. Yeah. So, and you know, Kelly Lynch before this, they had already been threatened by this character we brought up earlier, Victor Romero. Um, yeah. And she had been threatened by him, and uh, he throws a she doll sh- at her. 
He throws a dollar at her, but she's standing there holding ground with a shotgun. Oh, she, she's, yeah, she's she's protecting house. And now I would not, not be surprised if she's wearing that astonishing shirt during that scene. Yeah. And so then uh, they come back, obviously, you know, Alex is a little worried that they're threatened. That's why he's kind of like, I must be onto something if we're getting like this much heat. And then he pushes a little too far, apparently. And they shot, they blast his wife out of into heaven's prison. Is that why they call her? <laughs> she gets blasted into heaven immediately imprisoned. Yeah. For crimes of, of rocking that shirt. shirt on earth. Yeah, yeah. Rocking the daylights out of that shirt. What do you think heaven's prisoners mean? Means I think uh, well. There's he's confessing to a priest at the beginning. He's absolved of his all, of his sins, mm-hmm. and and how does it go for him? So maybe you you do right and you get punished for it, right? Right. Um, and then what happens is um, they don't pay taxes. The church. <laughs> um, that's that's what it's about. But no, so. Yeah, oh, she here, gets- I found it, I found it, I found it. Here's what Heaven's Prisoners means. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think if it had a different name, it would have beat Twister at the box office? Yeah, I think it's kind of a catchy name, but it, it definitely, like, what could they have called it? Robo-show? I mean, they certainly didn't improve it for the quasi-sequel that was later, Electric Mist? <laughs> I can't believe James Lee Burke hasn't gone straight to Kindle at this point with the naming technician here. Um, I was thinking about this though. Can you imagine? There's no heaven. No. Can you imagine like a little like uh, row, 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 the show, living on the stream? You know, you could like you get a little chant going on the movie set. These guys are singing Dave Robichaux inspired fairy tale songs. I love it, yeah. Or nursery rhymes, as they're called. <laughs> yeah. Well, fairy whatever. tales. Zoom in. Zoom in. <laughs> I think some fairy tales could use songs, you know? Did... Yeah. I want to read you. So, I what, D- what... Disney's made a good living on that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, you, did you like the... So, yeah, I told you this book, uh, this series has 40 entries in it. You know, and, and the, the guy is in his 80s, James... Is it, what's his name? Lee Burke. Burke. And he's still writing these books, and they're still popular, I guess. With and so, did you like how this was rooted, kind of in reality? This it felt kind of it could be like a real, a real tale, you know, and like this the gritty okay. noir. You know, I'm so listening. Here, here's this. Here's the plot of his latest. With okay, the, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, uh, Robichaux and his longtime partner Cleet Purcell, uh, the, the, the face of Hitman. This Hitman is unlike any that. Um, He's ever faced. He has the ability to induce horrifying hallucinations and travels on a menacing ghost ship that materializes without warning. Also, he time travels. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Makes me wish this was a hit, man. I want Baldwin to be fucking squaring off against the, 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 tang- the tr- tangent pipe. My man is <laughs> traveling time in a, <laughs> in a ghost ship. That's his name, right? The villain. (laughs) The tangent pipe. (laughs) What's the book called? It's got to have a dumbass name. A private cathedral. That's dumb. Yeah. Well, you know. It doesn't make any sense compared. So right after Kelly Lynch is destroyed. Is she dead? 
<laughs> I couldn't tell. I didn't realize I didn't realize how dead she was until later on when they're cleaning up the crew when Mary Stuart Masterson is is cleaning the thousands of fucking buckshot holes in the wall. But well, then uh, a- yeah, but they had to have a closed casket too. Yeah, but they yeah. didn't say because he they didn't they he said at my request. Yeah. I, God, I want to see that shit. Yeah. But yeah, he they closed the casket. They sl- they slammed it actually in the yeah. middle of the funeral in the middle of. Because she wasn't wearing that shirt. Yeah. Um, there's a great scene, though, where uh, Baldwin and Bajadola are there in the room after the murder. And uh, Baldwin wants Bajadola, to go out and fight. Tell, talk about who Bajadola plays. Well, Bajadola is his Alfred. Um, the great act, this great actor, he was so good in Mississippi Burning, one of the best scenes in, in a long time, that scene in Mississippi Burning with him. Just a great actor. And he plays uh, basically the, his, the working guy, on uh, the bait shop, when Alex out gallivanting, this is the guy that actually stirs the drink. He makes and the chili pies. He makes the chili pies. He's you know he sells worm. You know he gathers cricket. He does all sorts of shit. But he also dispenses advice to a sober but not loving being sober after his wife's. Yeah, and he also does childcare. He's just he's a he's a member of the family mm-hmm. and a, an altogether great guy. And and like he knows when Baldwin revisits the the plane scene at the bottom of the water he's telling him you don't mess with it throw it back in the water you shouldn't be doing this bro mm-hmm. and Baldwin does not listen and he only loses everything but after kelly lynch is incinerated by gunfire um bajdola there has to kind of break the news to alec that she gone kelly already gone yeah occasion occasion the and like i said most of the characters in this are having that Speaking kind of the Cajun accent, including yeah. Terry Hatcher, which is very strange. In fact, yeah. it's she seems to be the one that kind of leans the hardest on it. Yeah, there's a really kind of interesting scene where he, it kind of you see the realization of what's happened kind of dawn on him, mm-hmm. and I really love that. I love that moment. I think it's a great, uh, it snapped out of great it. acting moment for Alec. Yeah, it's when Bajadilla says like she's because he's like call the ambulance. And Bajadilla says, there's no ambulance in the world <laughs> coming time because she is shotgunned in half. <laughs> she's done. She's punched her, t- her last ticket on earth, and now she's in prison in heaven. Um, so this is so, you know, Baldwin, then he grabs a beer. This is late, a little bit later, and he starts to um, he starts to to drink himself. One, one ten. He starts to blast through those three years. Yeah, what'd you say? Yeah, it's that one uh, one hour and ten minutes into the film. Oh, okay, yeah. And by so, the way, Kelly Lynch dies, and that whole scene happens. Bajadola condoles Alifair at precisely the midway point in the movie. Like, if you pause the film and you look at the time code, mm-hmm. right smack dab in the middle. I remember Kelly Lynch dying at the beginning of the film in my in my in my <laughs> imagination. It turns out. The majority of it, she lives longer than anyone would have expected. They give her stuff to do in this. Yep. Before they that give of her course, stuff, yeah. kill her. But Alec Baldwin starts to drink, which is not a good. They they've been telling you, they've been prepping you the whole movie. That's that's not what you want. You don't want him back on the sauce. But he's yes, back you do. On the sauce. Well, yeah. Yes, you do. So then there's a shot of him, a very strange, but I'm so happy they kept it in. He's in the in the swamp in a boat. And I love it. I love it. Drunk off his ass, and he—they show it. They kind of—they show him in the boat. It's a, mon- close it's up. a montage. 
yeah, of him being just like, you know, staring off into the sun. But then they they zoom out and this the boat is just twirling in circles in the middle of a swamp. Yeah. You know, like I love that. I call that the spinning boat blues. Yes, sequence. exactly. It is amazing. I love that they I, made room for that shot. You know? I love it. Um, and I also love that uh, the, when he resorts back to alcohol, it's the second worst thing he does in that scene. Because if you look at what he's wearing, he's got this loose ass khakis and a big old blue dress shirt, and it's tucked into the khakis, no belt. Looks fucked up. That does. Fucked he up. He's sweating through everything. He cannot. When Phil, when Phil Joano pitched this film in the studio, he says, We're going to see highs and lows with shirt wear in this movie. <laughs> so Baldwin on the case, he's in a bar, and he. We meet the. Yeah, this is my favorite scene in the movie coming so up. He, so he's back in the case, but the, not before he goes back to his favorite bar that he mentions at the beginning of the movie. And he drinks himself stupid. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he almost gets in a fight with these guys. It's, he has like, some great lines in that, too. But the Vitalis twins? Yeah, the, the twins. that Because oh, you know, Terry Hatcher's in that bar with these two Italian guys. Well, yeah, he, he rehashes a scene, a, a line that Eric Eric Roberts says earlier in the film mm-hmm. about uh, what's the line? He's like, uh, I got your dreamsicle hanging low. Yeah, that's right? a big thing about his dick, yeah. And then yeah, one of these, these Vitalo, the Vitalis twins, who he's making fun of their hair product, are mafiosos. The guy says, are you saying fuck you to me? Yeah. And Baldwin's like, I'm saying fuck you, fuck your mother, and fuck your dog. <laughs> and then he gets destroyed. Then they beat this him and this they beat the shit out of the him. The funny thing is, is the second time they hit him, somebody, whether it be Alec or one of the Vitalis, Vitalis twins, goes, fuck. They say it really <laughs> loud while they're hitting him. So it's like he's he's like, fuck your motherfucking fuck. And then the second time they hit him, somebody's saying fuck really loud. It's just adorable. He and Baldwin before this is laughing in their face. Like everything that they're trying to intimidate him, he's laughing in their face. Like he is. Uh, so blitz and you know Baldwin plays a really good drunk, by the way, like really. And good. and honestly, the, I wrote a note about this. Alec laughing is the best. Yeah. He laughs like there's a bunch of times where he has his like, like it's I think it's one of his acting ticks that he does, but his mm-hmm. laugh is so great. Also, I noticed that, and I'm sure this is him. He adds the word "hey" to a lot of dialogue scenes. I think that's not in the script. I think that's his way of kind of getting people's attention. Yeah, because he'll do he'll like do hey. He'll do that, and it somehow it works like a charm uh, to kind of ju- – it just makes it more Alec. It's great, but you're right. He is a great drunk actor. Yeah, because there's an earlier scene with Mary Stuart Masterson where she's got to kind of be uh, high at least or drunk, and she's not – it's a little harder for her. It's not coming across as quite as well, but Alec shows everybody what drunk acting is. And then there's a classic – this is the best. The best. Uh, I know you're talking best. about is that Vonnie Curtis Hall shows up and saves him. He basically saves him from getting yep. killed. And makes the makes the Italian guy sit down with him in a booth and he's talking to him. But that's not the but before that. No. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, there's a scene where um they're all kind of they're they're cooling their jets a little bit and, and one of them's holding Alec up. And then somebody lets go and Alec falls falls he does a prat fall off 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 camera and it's adorable. An adorable comedic moment. Well, this is the like Nick had had sent me the scene and 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 tw- on you know and, uh, I am it to me, but this is you describe it. It's the best. It is the best moment so, of this film. So Alec has been trashed. He's he's drunk as shit and he's been pulverized. 
And Vondi is acting overacting up a storm at the booth with Terry Hatcher and the Vitalis twins, orders a Diet Coke or Coke or whatever. And they're sitting there and he is just he's kind of doing some exposition and he kind of looks over and goes, right, Dave? They cut to Alec making this expression like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> he's just like, def- it's a, he looks defeated and like he can't believe someone's talking to him. Like he, he and the best is they show him, like they cut to him for like a line and he just is like, he's giving up. Like he yeah. doesn't do anything. I, I'll put it on Instagram. It is so good. It is it's such funny, a great yeah. moment. That whole scene, that scene, first of all, it has a little bit of everything. Because mm-hmm. there's a moment where Terry Hatcher confronts uh, Robert Cho, and at this point, you realize she's more than she seems, and she's so she's she's and she's already kind of teased him a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and she's kind of pr- pressing that again, and then she drops. Y- you see him sober up when she mentions his dead wife, and then they go to the booth, and then um, there's that you know you kind of so you, you basically you get a little bit of drunk Alec, you get a little bit of pissed off Alec. And then there's kind of that decompression moment before hell breaks loose with the Vitalis twins. You really do get like you, there's action, there's laughs, there's sadness. The whole thing just is a perfect little scene. Yeah. Baldwin's a, he's a, obviously a funny actor. I mean, he's a good, he's a good comedic actor and he certainly uses that a little bit in this. Um, but he's mostly sad. Like he mostly plays this movie just pretty, pretty the, the last half of the movie he's just pretty devastated obviously yeah, there's, there's a great scene that happens after this did you have anything more to add to the bar scene though it seemed like you did no that's great no no, no it's good so, and you know Bonnie curtis hall is great in that scene i think we great. talked about that, he, yeah. and he's obviously acting for the room he's showing off a little bit well he's also uh, in t- trying to intimidate and and make those dudes feel bad like he's you know he's uh he's trying to basically he's the cool guy and baldwin in that scene is just not like he is Decided. Although you know what I like though is that you feel that he's not immune. You know, it doesn't seem like because you wear a badge that you're that you're gonna that you're gonna skate through this unharmed. No, no. Because there's a lot of like those guys are ready to throw. Um, so the net there's like a scene shortly after that where it's a beautiful day out. There's a shot of Bajadola grilling some, some food out and the little cute Alifair sitting there at a picnic table. Just like it's a beautiful scene. And what is Alec doing while this beautiful scene is happening? What say, say that again. I, I I remember something else from the other scene that we didn't say okay. that you would go ahead go ahead. So before Vondi Curtis Hall sits down with those guys, he says when he rescues it because you breathe in down there, Dave. He says that, and they cut the ball, and Baldwin goes, "Uh huh." Like he just says it like that. Like he's so defeated. Anyway, uh, what what? Tell me, start that part again. You can cut that out. What? Tell so, start that part again. So there's this beautiful scene shortly thereafter where it's a beautiful sunny day. Mm-hmm. It looks like almost like a party. Bajadola is sitting there on the on the wharf there, grilling up foods. He looks like he's having a great time. Little Alifair sitting at a picnic table with her toy. It's beautiful and cheery. And then what's happening inside the house with Alec? He is nailing the the murder room shut. Yeah, he don't want to see is, it. He is nailing Kelly Kelly Lynch's charnel house down. Yeah, he he closes that. He 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 doesn't want to go in there. He doesn't want to. He's not sleeping in there for sure. Uh, he sleeps on the couch now. Um, and yeah, he he nails it shut. He didn't want to see it. He doesn't want to be reminded that he caused this pretty much by poking around. Um, yeah. And Bajadola in that scene has a bandana around his wrist, which he mops his kind of mops his sweat up with, which I think is a cool move. And I think Baldwin should have had one of maybe nine of those on his wrists, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. his, his ankles as well. Like two like down comforters around each, each wrist. Um, 
And then, of course, we we see the end of of a we see a little action sequence with Toot. Yeah, uh, Baldwin, like one of That's the few a, actions. Yeah, it's a great scene. He goes to investigate one of the killer's apartments. Yeah, but they have a huge chase scene that ends in. Uh, it, it's up on. It's like a Mission Impossible almost or Born scene. They're on. They're jumping over roof on rooftops from roof to roof. Um, Baldwin barely making it. Like he's yep. yeah. In fact, at one point he doesn't, right? He kind of, he has to hit a drain pipe and slide down. But uh, yeah. they have this yeah. huge fight that ends up in like a subway car or something. And trolley. And and, he, trolley, and, and, trolley, and yeah. Toot, like Alec gets tormented. He gets his ass kicked more, you know, and Toot has a chance to kind of kill him. And he instead punches him or does something stupid. But Toot ultimately finds his death in, 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 a, in a collision. Yeah, there's a, I mean, they, cars hit that trolley and he goes flying out and then, he he he's he's like oh I'm good and he stands up gets hits by a car and then he gets hit into another car so he is it takes a lot and then and it's he, nighttime he and he's die. still in that car when we meet Paul Gilfoyle who is a pretty damn good actor who's kind of was a big deal at the time and it also hints that they were thinking of more movies in that series because it totally seemed like he was yeah a periphery, you know like a companion character to to Mr. Bald yeah yeah uh, they know each other obviously and. Do you, and think then, was, do you think they had a sweat wrangler on this movie? Like someone was there to like did do sweat continuity? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they got failed, Keith, they they failed got Keith, at their job. They got Keith to do it. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, whenever uh, Terry Hatcher's bust, like when she, uh, she, they have that car scene. So Terry, ha- they have she, she. What does she do? She comes. She says she broke down in front of their house his house and she needs a ride home. She's like, wants Instead to do flat. That. And then her other and her, and her spirit is also flat. Right. So he drives her home and, and they pull over and well, she he, tries to seduce him. It doesn't work. Although she, he, he, she does put his hand on her, on her, on her gentleman. Well, she said like, I'm like, I'm, you know, my husband's beating me up. She shows her, her rib, which, you know, she takes her shirt to, you know, and then puts her hand, his hand there, but he's not into it. He, his wife just died and he's just, and she even tries to kiss him and, there's Cold no response. Yeah. But I love that she's in that scene and she's talking about like she's really laying the accent and she's like, my cousin. You know, she's really <laughs> and Baldwin's giving her no occasion, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, so there's that like she like as soon as she realizes that her seduction techniques are not working, she leaves. She just gets out of the car. <laughs> she's done. Yep. <laughs> but um yeah, she turns into the into the baddie in this. She's like the one that's pulling, like I said earlier, pulling all the strings. I know there's a major plot device about the rings on glass that her drinks leave, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So the next scene, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, actually before that scene, Mary Stuart Masterson returns unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, Baldwin had tried to send her away. We said Robin, because- her name is Robin in this, which is weird. He was worried about her. He's worried about those guys hurting her more. So he sends her away. This is before his wife gets killed, I think. And yeah, but she shows back up. She shows back up after the wife's gone conveniently. And, she wants to, you know, he, you know, there's a few really nice scenes there, but there's a great scene where her and Terry Hatcher are throwing a little shade at each other, which mm-hmm. I love on the old porch there. Yeah. It's a little, no love lost between these two ladies. Mm-mm. No. And she rips her tattoo. She, well, she, and he calls, she calls her a slut basically, but, but Alec is so sweet in that scene and he drives her, you know, takes care of you. Cause he's, he's, uh, he's just happy to see everybody. He's just happy to, you know, just be around. <laughs> be a nice guy. Well, yeah, but he's trying to solve these. Mur- he's trying to. He knows there's three dudes. Uh, one of the so he kills one of them. Has that long fight scene with Took or Toot, whatever you say. And then 
Uh, they find old Eddie Keats in a bathtub. Yeah, uh, he's been electrocuted. Someone threw a radio in when he was taking a bath, I guess. So that's two. So there's only one person left for Alec to cross off his list. He knows there's not. Yeah, but then, not. He's not. He doesn't just want to kill those guys. He wants to find out who sent. He them. wants to find out who put them on. Right? Who put them on the? Who ordered this hit? It's such a simple plot. Like it really is yeah. such a small plot for a movie like this, which I kind of yeah. actually like. But um, yeah. So. You know, there's a funny thing. Once he goes for the ride with Terry Hatcher, mission accomplished with Terry because it makes Eric Roberts get jealous. So there's a scene where him and he busts into a bar where Alex at and they have a little fisticuffs. Another fun scene. And a delight. Yeah, because Alex starts to leave the bar and Roberts punches him immediately. Immediate punch. Comes in, it's coming in. And they have a great little fight and they're bloody and Baldwin's like got a like a cute little bunny face from bulging wounds on his face. Well, so no, and, that's yeah. So they have a fight, which, which Roberts loses. He loses it handily. Um, Baldwin really gives it to him. And then uh, Robert shakes it off. He, he takes the loss. Like he's a, he's okay with losing, but he says to him, he goes, you have to admit that first. What about that first punch I threw? That's pretty good. Like he was like, he says, I really shook your peaches. <laughs> and uh, so he's, so, but he has a couple great lines here where Baldwin's asking him about, you know, if we were, were you involved in, in this ordering this hit? Were you involved with all this stuff? And, and Robert's like, I'm one man. I'm not a crime wave. You know, he basically says, <laughs> which I think is a great line. And then he says, uh, at the end, the way he leaves the scene, he says, leave me out of your shit, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> He just comes across as like a very likable bad guy. Yeah, and and he does order a a, a Cuervo at that point. Yeah, Cuervo Gold. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But but when he admits the feast in their blood, he goes, "I really shook your peaches, though, didn't I? I love that." Well, and that's also rare that someone in a movie orders an actual drink. It's usually they just order beer, right? Right, and then and then somebody puts a Heineken in front of them, typically. Yeah. Anyway, and then uh, okay, so now obviously this is the last part of the film. Everything's kind of accelerating. We're getting to the nitty gritty of it. Um. Uh. Alec goes to visit our bartender in prison, which is another really good little scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause this guy has been defeated. He's scared to shitless. He's not taking showers. Well, I told him to leave town. Cause he's the one that's kind of started informed everybody that Alec was questioning. And he tells the guy to find another zip code. Remember? Yeah. So the guy does find another zip code and ends up in prison. Yeah. But th- this guy is defeated. It's hilarious. Cause there's a great line. Alec, He's, he's questions him about why he isn't showered and all that. But then, you know, this guy is resigned and, and Alec, you know, basically says something to this guy and this guy responds, I'm floating around on an ice cube that's melting in the fucking toilet, <laughs> <laughs> which does. I don't know why I love it so much. I'm floating around on an ice cube that's melting in the toilet. I mean, I imagine that he's he won't take a shower because he's scared of getting raped in prison or killed. Yeah, yeah, like he's, um, but he does give up some information to to um, to Dave to find uh, and to it, find the last is, third yeah. gun. Yeah. And it's another moment where they kind of buck tradition. Well, because early in the conversation, he he talks about Roberto Armani. Uh, it shows that he's really good with names. But when he does give the information to Alec, he gives him bad. In- like he says, 
he runs a, a, a like a laundry shop. It's either Juan's or Jose's, and then it cuts to Julio's. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so that was kind of a great little moment there. Oh, but they also, this guy said that the guy was making counterfeit tuxedos. That was part of the scam. <laughs> counterfeit tuxedos that were made by Roberto Armani instead yeah, of Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Nobody makes counterfeit tuxedos. Please tell me nobody does that. Oh, that's amazing. That's an amazing detail. So there's a fight scene that into a big battle ensues with this this really other than Jackie Chan, <laughs> and uh, that ends up it's a great scene and it ends up with that bad guy shot to shit and bef- and you know he's dying in front of Baldwin and Baldwin was like hey hey by the way can you tell me who uh, who ordered <laughs> you guys to do the hit and the guy and died it, quickly and the guy says I'm a prison I'm going to the prison yeah. he's like I see I see the gatekeeper and he's got my Kelly Lynch yeah. <laughs> that's uh, you know that would suck if you did they let you into heaven but immediately threw you in the jail you know like that would be a that'd be rough you know well you, you you're they let you into heaven and there's a sign that says no fun it's like what but i did so great and you're like yeah you're, you're there's nothing there's not even a pinball machine up here oh man yeah not not a sinball machine up here oh yeah. my god that'd be amazing if it's like I wonder how the prison food is up there though. It's probably great. It's probably shrimp. Yeah. Maybe once they eat the they cook the shrimp, the shrimp they go to heaven because they died, and then they're like, oh sweet, well, at least we get some nice, and then they're fucking barbecued in uh in heaven as well. <laughs> well, I like the idea of heaven having a menu every day. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. Can you imagine complain like fuck your fucking food sucks, heaven today? You know? <laughs> There's a there's a snack treat that my mother used to like called Divinity. Have you heard of this shit? No. It's like a whipped sugary thing with like I think there's a, a praline or something floating in it, but it's like a whipped delicacy. It's like a hard sugary concoction with a praline floating in it. I think, and I think it's called Divinity. It's like and it melts in your mouth. Okay. And it's very hard to find because I used to have to hunt for it for her. Whenever I go to some redneck place like Helen or you know whatever, I have to look for that shit. You know, you've not heard of it, but that sounds like something they would serve in heaven because it's all whipped up and cloudy, and yeah. it's got a, the name is religious, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it would be interesting if you're in heaven and and you're like, can I get a like, can I get a roast beef? Can I get an Arby's roast beef? And they're like, no, no, no. The, that's the uh, we got Arby's in hell, but not in heaven. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, we got school cafeteria roast beef up here, and like, and you, like, and you well, shit yourself. I'm like, well, can I get a, you know, maybe you get, can I get Chick Fil A? Like, no, those are in hell as well. Um, that would be ideal. I would love it if when you shit in heaven, it appears in hell. Like, that's one of heaven's great perks is that you, when the shit instantly transports to hell when it leaves you. So it's constantly raining heaven shits down there. Yeah, and that's they why feed I feel you. like that's why I feel like it's happening on Earth. <laughs> We got caught in the middle. Yeah. Now we got mystery seeds. What the fuck? God's man? taking God's taking a gigantic shit on <laughs> on the big blue marble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dave Robichaux ends up at Bubba Rock's mansion. His yeah. and he's like looking for the answer. He he is like, I wanted to see Bubba Rock. I want to see this douche dick. I want to get him. But who's there? Terry the Hatcher. Negligee. Looking Terry duff. Hatcher. Looking duff. Can see that butterfly, and she reveals that she's kind of the mastermind. That Bubba Rock is a weakling, and she's the one that's kind of pulling. Like she's behind it all. 
And there's a there's and a we bitter, already know we already know this because should we see her? She had a, a scene where she's meeting with uh, Joe Vitarelli. Yeah, right. But um, it's one of the very rare sequences where I see a guy hit a woman, and it's awful. And then you almost get it. No, almost. I mean Terry Hatcher gets punched. I mean Baldwin punches her, and, and she's got she a gets, bloody ass face. She's got Kool Aid teeth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's looking rough. Yeah. And she's laughing it off. Like she's like, she's like, you know what? Go ahead and kill me. Shoot me. Cause he's like about to shoot her. And then he says, you know, shooting a thousand you won't, isn't even worth one of Annie, Kelly, Annie, Kelly Lynch's character. And so he lets her, he lets her live. He's like, you know what? I found my answers. I'm and then, and then, uh, and then Kel, uh, Terry Hatcher shows him a, a Blu-ray of the, the 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 Will Smith's kid Annie film and, and Alex like I apologize <laughs> you're better than all of it there's no but, Blu-ray back then this is ninety six this came out but I love the fact that Baldwin thinks that they intentionally killed his wife and then she drops a super bomb of mm. truth on him saying no that was intended for you we're just and, trying to kill you and they, unfortunately your wife looks exactly like you and the killers. <laughs> They forgot to turn out the light on the light and they shot her instead. Yeah. And then there's a scene where he's outside, outside patrolling the docks with her beautiful rainbow shirt on. Well, whenever he sees the gunman go to his house, he does. It's raining out, which he's excited by because it disguises his sweat. And he says <laughs> he screams at them. He goes, I'm right here because he knows they're coming to kill him. Yeah. Or he thinks that or I guess he thinks that. Um, but uh yeah, he gets in a fight with one of the gunmen and they blast his wife in half. Did I mention that? He doesn't get in a fight with them. He does. He gets in a fight with one of the gunmen outside. And oh, the guy right. gets away. Yeah. And he keeps it. I'm glad they cut out the scene where he tells him exactly where Alifair is. He's like, Alifair is in her room over here if you need to kill anybody. <laughs> he doesn't even doesn't even care about Alifair once Kelly Lynch is gone. And then it's... Uh, um, his his friend his 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 coworker has to go check on her. Anyway, so that's when Eric Robert at the end of the movie comes out and he he's overheard this conversation where Terry Hatcher's belittling him, Claudette is belittling him, and he doesn't like that. He didn't like to hear it. No. So he 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 decides to protest in the form of shooting her about four times out to out to the balcony. Yeah, um, I think I think like once or twice. No, I think he shoots her more than twice. He's let's let's call it, let's let's call it three. Okay, for every sober year that Baldwin had, and um, and Baldwin calls the cops, and ba- Eric Roberts draws down on him. He calls the cops on a rotary phone. He does, and which is which is a commitment. If you got a guy holding a gun, that's a but, commitment. But Baldwin keeps going, and he can he calls the cops about the shooting, and he hangs up, and he says, "Good luck." He, and this is the one mistake in the movie. He says, good luck, Eric Roberts. <laughs> uh, he says, good luck. Good luck, Terry Hatcher. <laughs> Do you think that Bubba Rock is the best character name in any movie we've ever Well, heard? it's Rock in the French, too. It's R-O-C-Q-U-E, which is even right. better. Right. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So, a very, a very good little movie. A movie that actually I was, I was so scared that I was going to revisit this movie and it had been shit in my memory. 
because I've done this to you a few times now. And I was like, please be the movie I remember it. And damn, it was better than I remembered. Yeah, yeah. This movie is it's it is really fun to re- to if if you guys are looking for something to watch after you saw um uh what's what's the what's the other angel one we did heavenly kid uh-huh so do you think that would ni- pair nicely with heavenly kid this movie <laughs> yeah yeah um it, it first of all there's a lot of people especially younger people who don't realize that baldwin had a really good run there they know him as the trump guy on on snl or as the guy who uh they have a political disagreement with or whatever uh and he's this is him killing it he's such a good actor and you watch this film there are little mannerisms that he has there are little asides there are little moments there he is just way better than people deserve in a genre movie like this he does a wonderful job and it makes you wonder what would have happened if he had continued jack ryan and what he could have invested into that character because hunt for october is still the best of that bunch although i like them all i like every single one of the uh, of the jack ryan movies and tv show they're all good. Even the Chris Pine one, they're, they're all good. But Baldwin is a cut above, even over Harrison Ford in terms of being able to provide a lot of depth to a character. So it's a shame that we've never really had the chance to have him play a role multiple times. Mm-hmm. He, and he wanted, didn't they really, they really wanted him back, right? Yep. They wanted him Jeff, yeah, they had, a, there was, it was like Dixie something. There was a sequel planned already and it just never came oh, to for, oh for this movie yeah there was a yeah. sequel to this one he wanted that yeah but that yeah, yeah this movie got lost because i think the studio went bankrupt and it just kind of got lost in the shuffle and then when it finally did come out there was no fanfare well they, there was counter programming to two blockbusters in the, in the first yeah. weekend of summer not yeah. a good move uh but yeah but, you know, like i remember when it came out and they i remember the critics were like this is the movie's a mess and they talked a lot about the troubled like production and stuff like that, which really, it doesn't feel like this movie's troubled at all. It feels like it, it was just the troubled post production, right? Which is right, way different. Which is post production because the studio went bankrupt, right? I mean, right, it, right. It feels like a confident film, and it like, like that's what I'm kind of delighted by is the, the script. It really doesn't, you know, it's 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 not clever, but it it really does have. Um, some nice moments in it, some good dialogue, uh, good performances. It's just, it doesn't it's, feel like a movie that is uh, messy. It's not a no, messy movie at all. And it's a 100% character driven. Yeah. It, the plot is irrelevant. It's it's character, character, character. And that's why I guess it, it works so well, even after all these years, because it's not trying to ride any sort of trend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a shame that they, did, they didn't do more with it because I'd love to see Alec Baldwin, you know, in his 60, you know, 60 year old Alec Baldwin, fighting against a fucking ghost ship appearing time traveling fucking uh ESP agent dick face well they know and this movie has the, the ends the, the last shot of this movie is he he crawls into bed with Alife who's sleeping the little girl and he and he kind of looks up at the ceiling and he doesn't look happy <laughs> and i think that's because you know He's at a point now where he is hooked back on alcohol, right? He uh, he's got no. He's he had the one thing that he had going for him. His wife is no longer in the picture. Like it's not a happy ending. And it's at first I didn't like the ending. I thought maybe they should have tied it to the beginning where he's in confession and stuff like that. Um, but that's that's too neat. I think see, the way they I, ended I, is perfect. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't get it as he was disappointed or anything. I just felt like he was kind of 
it was he, it was over and he, and he was resigned to the fate he's created but it didn't seem like he was it's not like he hated having that girl there or hated having I think he's at a you know at a loss i think he's in a moment where he i mean especially because the alcohol he is he's without his wife and then he is also headed back toward rock bottom i imagine i mean he's a he's a he's a big old drunk let's do the work so you are uh sitting down sweating your ass off in the grimy louisiana tattoo parlor doors open people are walking by drinking hurricanes buzzing needle what are you going to have put onto your onto your lifeless form i'm dead in this situation what you're you're sitting still you're not moving around you're waiting for the needle you're matthew you're matthew poncelot in this bitch i would just i'd walk in like kind of how baldwin walks you know how he does that kind of like yeah, I don't strutty weird. It's like a strut, but it's like it's not that cool. Like he's it's, he it's a, a very uncool strut. Yeah, and he's very, like, yeah. it's like trying to be badass, but it's it's just like, is this how I'm supposed to walk on camera? It's like, a, like, it's like a thick peacock. Yeah, I walk in like that, and I'd say the guy, I just sit down. I go, uh, like, what, what do you have, sir? What do you want? And I'd be like, just draw heaven's heaven's prison on me. <laughs> like, well, can you give me some more specifics? I say no. I just want your interpretation of what that means. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I want that on, I guess my kneecap. Cause that does come up. Like remember Bubba Rock, yeah. they said, I put it on my kneecap, which is honestly, that's a tough, that's a tough tattoo to get. That hurts. And the funny thing is this sucks, man. This sucks mm-hmm. because the guy is, has hearing loss, the tattoo mm-hmm. artist. Oh, it does so you, you pass out, you wake up and there's a picture of Macaulay Colton holding a prism. Kevin, Kevin's prism? What is it? Yeah, it's from Home Alone. Yeah, it's Kevin's prism he put on your knee. Oh shit. Actually, it turned out better than I expected. I'd like, you know, I'd it would be like a three hour job on my kneecap, and I wouldn't I didn't want to be surprised. I don't want to look. I'm I'm averting my eyes. I'm putting my uh my face mask over my eyes and then putting another face mask over my mouth and nose because I'm not going to give this guy, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to protect me. And I look down after three hours and he's just drawn a cloud with a prison bars on it. (laughs) You, and then Lakito in there. The funny thing is, is I wonder what's the longest period of time somebody has gone without looking at their tattoo. Hmm. So they leave it. How long after getting a tat has it gone, has gone, has passed before somebody took a look at it. That's a great question. Cause I bet you like, tattoo and they just kind of held off looking at it until for they like yeah, to be yeah like or, or they just didn't look like they it was like a, it was like a bet with themselves and he's on his deathbed and he's like oh shit roll me over get a mirror i forgot yeah i yeah i i, I promised I, I was gonna have an edith bunker wearing a dracula costume tattooed on me they're like what is that he like squints is that, is that kevin McAllister holding the prism <laughs> And then he dies. Um, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Um, okay. So if you were to peel off one of my socks mm-hmm. uh, right there at the bottom of the old. F- yeah. <laughs> at the bottom of the foot, you get a, a dreamsicle. Oh, yeah. And then underneath the words, none lower. <laughs> That's not the lowest point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got my dreamsicle hanging the absolute lowest. So it's like a little thing. So if I ever, you know, if I were to ever bump into, say, Eric Roberts or Alec Baldwin in my travels, 
I get, I get, I get, I get share a little laugh with them, or even Phil Juano. What would you do if you met Alec Baldwin? Did you, would you hug him? You I've met him, Alec man. Baldwin before. Yeah, I've interviewed him. What did you say? Were you, were you stumbling over your words? I was like, I was like, can you, can you, do you need a rag? Do you need a towel, Mister? You are fucking livid with water. <laughs> towels don't work. He owns. He doesn't own towels. Yeah. yeah. I think it was state in Maine, but I don't remember exactly. But it was a high moment because I I remember anything about it. But I remember he didn't disappoint me, which is all I cared about. Because you don't you don't you don't want one of your heroes to take a shit on you. All right, so uh, New Line Cinema, buoyant from the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies, has greenlit a sequel to Heaven's Prisoners and given you the reins. Now, some time has passed. They put me in charge of Electric Mist. (laughs) So, what do you do? How do you make a sequel? There's 39 sequels or 38. I think there's a book right before this one. Um, wonder if that guy's crossing his fingers. I hope they keep, I hope someday some, they'll make all 40, you know? Yeah. Make, maybe they'll make a TV show. Um, I don't know. I'm going to do a spinoff. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like a um, La Femme Nikita with Alifair, you know? Mm. So basically it's, she's like a badass. Um, she's a badass something or other moving around in Louisiana, like, you know, mm. uh, horrible English. Can't get words out. Right. You know, still hasn't learned the language. And it's just her. She goes around, you know, kicking people's asses, getting involved in fights. And, uh, and then every, 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 uh, every morning, uh, and now elderly Dave Robichaux finds her cowering in the corner of her room. And, uh, you know, he, he ushers her to bed and, you know, they, they, they fall asleep, uh, in tears, and then she wakes up again, kicks ass with poor, poor English the next day. So Alec Baldwin is out on the boat with Alifair on his fishing boat, she, teaching her how to fish with chili pies. And uh, a plane starts to crash right by them, crack, cracks in half in front of them. And it's like they do it. He has to go down and investigate the plane crash again. It's like you could do like a, it could be like a Groundhog's another plane crash. And every sequel would just involve a, a plane crack cracking in half overhead <laughs> go down and plumb the depths and he and, and he just keeps adding children to the family it's like exactly but yeah he and he's like I, he can't help himself he has to investigate it every time he has to keep investigating what happened you know yeah. what crime what crime boss in new orleans is is a uh, is responsible for this cracked in half plane you know yeah and then right before this happens he gets a new girlfriend every time I love it. No, I think I think he's in it to win it with Mary Stewart. Like he's, you know, she leaves at the end. Oh, she uh, leaves him a message or a letter. Uh, do you remember what it says on the envelope? Nothing. A streak. Oh, what does she say in the in the letter? He doesn't open it because he knows that he's saying that, that she's saying that she's leaving. Remember, she says that she she thought basically he would re- reciprocate the love. That she has for him. She, yeah, she basically confesses her love for him, and then she realizes that he doesn't love her back. And you know, to be fair, it's pretty early in the relate. You know, after his wife died, and I think he was. That's why he was so upset in bed with his daughter because he's like, I, I'm finally over Kelly Lynch, and I'm ready to, you know, put down. And I was like, I got a little, I, I got an experienced uh, magician in the room next to me, ready to freaking show me delights of which I've never known. You know, with all of her. Like her little whore tricks. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she is not a whore. She's a stripper. I know. 
but no, but, but remember the, the combat, the, the scene with Harry, Terry Hatcher and her, they're both kind of throwing shade about the, the, their illicit kind of personalities. And if she was a sex worker, no judgment. You can cast Alec Baldwin should praise her. Well, I guess and, he what, and, and yeah, and, but if you were to look at the character sheet, she's mm-hmm. got like a, a 16 in dexterity and a 15 in whore tricks. They do call her a whore in the movie. Yeah. yeah the bad guys do. They refer yeah. to her as that. But he does open that letter, Nick. And? And he says, Dear Streak, I'm out there dodging COVID. <laughs> See you later. Well, I think it'd be better if he opens up the envelope and it says, Dear Streak, I'm under Alifir's bed. Yeah, she uh, she hightails it. He really lets when she tries to clear, clean the murder room. He really gets mad at her. Oh, he um, says we need to have a talk. You know, I think they wind up together. Not, I haven't read the books. I'm but sure she comes back, but yeah, he he uh, in the books. But I think he just mad at her because she wasn't cleaning it well enough. You know, yeah. he's like, can you clean her back to life? <laughs> Which is the name of my sequel. Cleaner, um, all right. So, you've been given the uh, financing for your own uh, enterprise related to Heaven's Prisoners. Oh, god, yeah. So, you have something a product related or a, a business venture related to the movie. Okay, so you're on, you're at, I don't know, Broadway at the beach in Myrtle Beach, or you're like at uh, the, the uh, river walk over at Universal Studios. Or you're, you know, you're at some other touristy type place and the Santa Monica Pier and there's this, you know, chain restaurant. And right next to that chain restaurant, they built another chain restaurant. So now in every city where there's a a Bubba Gump's, there's a Bubba Bubba Rock's shrimp place right next to it. Oh, man. It's called Hassam Shrimp. And it's a Bubba Rock chain restaurant that's shrimp themed. And they have fucking taken the fight to Bubba Gump. And nailed it right next to it. It's amazing. I told you last year when I went to Biloxi, I ate it. I was there for three nights and I ate a Bubba Gump Shrimp Company three nights in a row. <laughs> and we're still, wait, do this really happen? Yes. It was in the casino. It was like the only thing really that was in the casino that we stayed in. And we didn't want to venture far. So we ate. What'd you have? That. Some shrimp. How was it? This was fine. I think wow. I did. I think I didn't have shrimp all the time, but they don't have too much on that menu anyway. So, what would be on the menu? Shrimp, obviously. Yeah, there'd be shrimp, and and uh, you know, and there'd be cuervo. You know, like shrimp sautéed in cuervo. There'd be uh, you know, and and his uh, the 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 best like the signature dish there is shrimp with. It's called it's called the Bubba Delight, and it's mm-hmm. a corn on the cob meant to look like his cornrows. <laughs> it's shrimp adjacent, mm-hmm. and um. It's served in a little boxing ring plate, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, it's so good. It's does so Alec, good. And does Alec, Alec have the actors have a piece of this, or is it just all the author? And no, the- what, what they do is in every uh, every location at the doorway in, in glass, they have a streak of blonde hair or of white hair in, embedded in the wall. You know, it's like a good oh, luck yeah. thing. And then, could, what you, what do they have, can you put it in your own hair, like a little fake white oh, streak? Oh, yeah, you like clip in a white streak. Yeah. Well, that would well, the thing is they've launched a separate chain mm-hmm. for Robocho. It's a Louisiana, you know, you know. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. called it's called Robocho's Rue, you know, <laughs> and 
And it's uh, so that's where you wear the personal streak. And so <laughs> what you do is you walk through the door, you get misted to death by like all these misters so that you're by electric, soaking. Electric myth. Exactly. So you're soaking and looking baldwin when you walk into the restaurant. You go in there and there is a, uh, a, a Dave Robichaux alike animatronic there stirring gumbo and introducing you to the restaurant. And and an animatronic um, toot kicks him in the dick a bunch feel, of times. I feel bad for that Robo Show animatronic. Why is that? Keeps shorting out from all the sweat <laughs> dripping onto itself. Right. Uh, yeah. No, that sounds good. I. It's, I like, can- it's like a it's like a showbiz pizza or a Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all the characters from this are animatronic. So you got like you know Bajadola is sitting there. You know he's filleting a, a trout off in the side. Alifair is cowering, like an animatronic Alifair is cowering in the corner. Kelly Lynch uh, is completely getting shotgunned to death in the corner. Animatronic, animatronic shotgun death. Uh-huh. But the best uh, is um, you got like uh, Terry Hatcher, right? Yeah. Naked? And super naked uh, in the, each restroom, completely naked. So while you're peeing, and if you're standing at a urinal, you, there's a mirror, and behind you, she is sizing you up, naked, naked animatronic. If you're in the ladies' room, yeah. while you're peeing, there's a mirror on the door there. While you're sitting down there dropping it, uh, she is criticizing you for being a slut. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Very specific. You know, you, you talk about her nudity in this. You brought it up, not me. And uh, to, in her defense, it was hot out. Do you know what I'm saying? Baldwin should have been walking around fully nude. <laughs> well, just they live in a up. mansion. I I think the I think air conditioning was was a possibility. I'm just saying, you know, Dick out Baldwin walk around this whole movie with, with this with this dreamsicle hanging. Yeah, just to get just to sweat less somehow. I would do my I would produce an album. I get Eric Roberts in the studio, and I it would be Bubba Rock does Kid Rock, and it would <laughs> he would. It would be all Kid Rock covers. So Ba with the Ba, I think that's a Kid Rock song. Uh, Picture, he does a Sheryl Crow, right? But he could do that with Dave Robichaux instead of, you know, and Baldwin would come in and sing Sheryl Crow's part. Um, what's another one? What's some other Kid Rock songs? I don't know. Cowboy. That's the yeah. famous one. Yeah, ba with the Ba is his first one, right? But he also has something like some dumb song that always sounds like, anyway. So that's what I do. I get Eric Robertson there, but I I Googled, I try to find some information about this movie, like some interviews about it. I'm sure there are some, but the one thing I came across on YouTube is this guy did he, he um, requested or bought a cameo from Eric Roberts. And this is the guy's favorite movie. And he had Eric Roberts at the end of uh, this clip that he showed of the movie. Uh, he tweaks on the line. So that the, the Eric Roberts character, Bob Rock was, was talking to him, you know, saying things about the guy's life a little bit. You're kidding. Nope. YouTube's a wonder. Oh my God. But Eric Roberts on cameo, by the way. Um, who isn't? <sighs> mm-hmm. I was thinking about this. I had this like waking dream that Roger Deakins got on cameo. And we fucking took the fight to him. Well, we paid him to shit on his own podcast. <laughs> well, that's what he does for free. <laughs> yeah. Shits, he shits during the recording 
his whole I, I can't I just I just can't believe that he's he's taken uh he's he's doing this to us. How dare him? Covering the same territory. I'm glad we got to Heaven's Prisoners first. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, he's gonna be so mad. I can't believe I I oh I was gonna have Joel Cohen on here. I was like, why waste the time? We'll throw that scrap to him. Let him have that bullshit. It's pretty easy to get people uh, on your show that you've worked with before. It's like, yeah, yeah, good luck. Not even able to get both brothers, you fucking idiot. We we had for Joel. Hey, we had John McCarowitz on our last show. Guess what? I never work with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody keeps comparing our podcast. Like these guys, these are the two top. Like podcasts to talk about movies, you know, the Deacons cast, movie microscope. You know, I'm sick of the comparisons. You know, we were here first. We don't see, you don't see us rummaging around through his lens drawer. No. You know, fuck that. We, we know our place. We stay in our lane. We own it. By the way, uh, it was adorable. I believe last episode, you talked about somebody circling a project. And I was like, way to write for variety, you piece of shit. <laughs> did I really? Yes. What did I say? What, who did I? What did I say? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I, I remember that. I remember you saying "circling a project." I but you know what I thought that meant is just looking at a project's name in the newspaper and just circling it with a pen. Oh, okay. yeah. All right, you're you're in Heaven's Prisoners. What shape does your what does your character take? Such a good question. I'm a guy, an entrepreneur. I I, I basically bet the farm on this business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had I have had a tough go. I've had family members that were unsavory. I had to deal with uh, depression, all sorts of shit. Uh, and I, I put everything I had into this business and I go, I go on vacation. Uh, and I was like, you know what? When I get back, uh, I've got to really rededicate myself to my job. I've got to do this right because life, you only get one life. You know, God doesn't give you two. So you got to fucking deliver. And I've, I've, I've not carried my weight on this, in this bargain that I've made with the Lord. And so I'm, uh, I'm in uh, the Poconos on vacation uh, and I get a phone call. They're like, Julio, uh, your, your your laundry place is fucked. There was a shooting. The ceiling was re- re- destroyed. Uh, There's a dead body in it. Uh, some guy with a streak in his hair killed somebody. Your your place is fucked. Yeah. So Julio, myself, uh, I immediately jump into a, a raging fire and die. <laughs> My character would be in the drug business as well. I would be like, I, that's I would be a bad guy. Like I'd be a criminal in this mm-hmm. movie and my product, my drug that I sell, that I sling uh, is produced by collecting uh, Dave Robichaud's uh, body sweat, <laughs> an endless supply. Uh, that's what my, you know, I'm never out of that source. Right. Um, I just come, I sneak into his house every night and just wring his clothes into like two empty, uh, milk gallon, you know, whatever, yeah. like jug, and um, one gallon milk jugs, and uh, and I'm just I make my drugs every night based on that sweat, and I am rich as hell. I I'm like uh, next door to Bubba Rock. What could what could my name be? That's what's like a, a good sounding name for another bad guy in this? Like a drug kingpin? Yeah. I don't know. Like what about like uh, it has to it has to have a French kind of thing going on, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what about like Archibald Rouge? That's not bad. Archie Rouge. Yeah. I like that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the red arch, red bald, you know, like yeah. the, they call it like, you know, obviously Rouge is red, right? Mm-hmm. So right. Archie, like, so 
the, your little catchy nickname is Red Arch Balch. And I don't do anything but just that my product is basically just sweat. I don't do anything to that stuff. Right. It doesn't really get anybody high either, but I talk it up. You're on an island. Uh, your shit don't stink. Mm-hmm. You're, you're uh, you know, you're kind of hanging out there. You've accumulated all sorts of debris over the years. Um, what do you take from Heaven's Prisoners to create the perfection that you need? Mm, take uh, Kelly Lynch's rainbow shirt. Oh, man, that shit's good. I'm doing it to make you jealous a little bit. You don't even remember it. I do not. Now I do because it's on my island. I can just tell you it's tight and it's adorable. Certainly be tight on me. Oh God. <laughs> I did it if you trying it on. Okay, so here's here's the fucking Or I take the Robo Show's boat and bait shop t shirt, which she also wears, I believe, in this, which is it a is. cool shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, you can get that on last exit to nowhere. Like that's one of their big uh spin off shirts that they do. Um so you go to the island, you you're I, I've taken you on the tour, you've seen Georgie, you've seen the girl in the dumpster, you've seen all the, all my favorite things. Right. Uh and you hear this this bizarre chittering sound. Mm-hmm. I come around the corner. You go in there, and there's a cage with two monkeys in it. Two monkeys. I got two monkeys on my island, and they're in their cage, and they are livid with me. Yeah, they're like, "We are monkeys. This island is our habitat. We are in a cage." They're fucking furious uh, because I could free them, and they could actually experience a traditional monkey existence. Not so fast. But I like to watch them fuck, so I got to keep them in the cage. I feel you, because yeah. because uh, uh, that is you know when the, when the sun goes down, I, I create a tiki torch, uh, surround tiki torch around the cage, and I spray pheromones all around the monkeys and onto the monkeys. Oh, and I, and I get, let, me, let me stretch for this. <laughs> let me get ready. I put an Adirondack chair that I've made out of palm bark, and I just kick back. And wait for them to screw. I just beg them to fuck. <laughs> I was like, I tell you what, uh, I, and I want to do is I have a series of bananas lined up, <laughs> one for each base in this sexual encounter. Are you are you rewarding them with bananas? Yeah, or are you putting them? Like, some it, it, yeah, maybe a little kiss from the monkey. The, they'll each get a small. What do you call it? A plantain, a little miniature banana. Okay, and then then I see the little. You know, he starts to fondle one of her monkeys nip uh-huh. <laughs> you know i'll throw them and then when they're uh, finally when there's very few bananas left and there's mm-hmm. this serious most serious hardcore activity going on uh-huh. uh you know i'm i'm furiously scribbling into a notepad um and then you know well there's one there's and one then miniature I'll, banana I'll, that's constantly around what's that <laughs> <Your dick. laughs> and then here's the here's the coup de gras though that oh. last banana like they've they've consummated the relationship yeah. um i go over and i fucking nail them with a with a with a with a with a giant fucking you know taser and i just nail them with it okay <laughs> um and, and then i leave uh and i go to my my hut and then the, mon- well, the monkey says he does realize we're both boys right is that why they call your uh, island Monkey Fuck Island? Is that why? <laughs> we try.
make the next step alive To save, really save Have to forego what is right And but it won't change your life Unless you crave happiness Right. 